0: Like I mentioned at the Children's Message, uh, we are wrapping up our series on emotions, and we're focusing today on the emotion of sadness. And really the big idea over the past few weeks is we've looked at different emotions that we feel, is we recognize that that we as followers of Jesus, we recognize that we have emotions. All the emotions that, that people experience, like We have them, and we've looked at, you know, anxiety, we've looked at anger, and today we look at sadness. Uh, But no matter what the emotion is, uh, sometimes in life it may feel like um, it's less us having emotions and our emotions have us. Like We may feel controlled by them, we may feel like we're dictated by them, but people of faith were invited to to rather than saying our emotions control us, we recognize, hey, we can view them, we can experience them, but we know that they don't own us, they don't control us, and and we can look at them, and we can deal with them through the perspective of our faith and the perspective that Jesus gives to us and who He says we are. And so we're wrapping that up today by thinking about how we deal with our sadness. And like I mentioned to the kids, This is just true, and it's very obvious that that I don't even need to say it. We just know it, but I'll say it anyway. Um, All of us, at one point in our lives, and in many times to come in the future, we feel sad, that we get sadness in us. And we experience it for a variety of reasons, from a variety of standpoints. It's a fact of life that all of us experience it. And so what we'll do this morning is we will reflect as followers of Jesus, what do we do with our sadness? How do we manage it? How do we deal with it? And and we'll do that primarily by looking at a a fairly simple lesson, a fairly straightforward reality of how Jesus dealt with his sadness— And because Jesus is not just a human being, he's also God. And so when we look at Jesus, we see God in all of his fullness and how God deals with things. What we see in how Jesus deals with his sadness, we see how God views our sadness together. And that will help us approach and deal with our sadness in this life. So really what we're going to focus on is one instance from John chapter 11, and we heard the, the reading, we're going to focus on this instance of when Jesus was dealing with sadness around him and in him, and that will help show us how God deals with our sadness. So again, uh, as you, you heard a few minutes ago in John chapter 11, um, Jesus is approaching uh, his friend Lazarus and his family. Uh, Jesus was friends with Lazarus and Mary and Martha, who were the two sisters of Lazarus. They, they somehow knew each other from his ministry or from growing up at some level. And, and Jesus is going to their town because, because sometime before this, Jesus was made aware that Lazarus had grown very sick. And as Jesus is doing ministry, uh, he gets word now that Lazarus has died. And so we pick up the story with Jesus coming to Lazarus' sisters some days after he died. And we see Jesus do a few things. We see a few key things we learn about how Jesus deals with the sadness and, and what that means for how God sees our sadness. Again, we, we see these words. Uh, I don't know if my clicker's working. Here, there we go. Thanks, Abby. From John 11, verse 32, it says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was, and she saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and saw the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And then they come and they say to him, Come and see. Uh, John, the gospel writer, who is giving us this account, he really wants us to to hone in on something Jesus does a couple times in this, and he he kind of embeds it um, clearly, but also like kind of implies it, where he says Jesus saw Mary weeping, and then he saw the Jews who had also been weeping, and then they come and they bring Jesus to see the dead Lazarus. And really, what we see very clearly in this is that in our sadness, I don't know if my clerk is going to work, Abby. If you want to advance the slide, when I, to, Jesus sees your sadness. John wants us to see this, quite literally, that Jesus sees our sadness. That no matter what you have going on, Jesus sees you. Which you may hear that and think like big whoop. Pastor Andy, Jesus sees my sadness. What difference does that make? And it makes a profound difference to be seen by Jesus in your sadness. You know, when I got married, one of the things I had to learn quickly, uh, and, I, and hopefully I've learned it, but but I got married, uh, and Katie and I Living together, and and sometimes things would happen to her, and she would be frustrated, or she'd be upset, or she'd be angry, or she'd be sad, and she'd have some problem that she's dealing with. And one thing I've learned about myself is I'm I want to be a fixer, and I want to fix problems, and so I see my wife dealing with problems, and my impulse is like I want to come and fix it, and so I offer solutions. I offer help. I offer, hey, what about this? What about that? And I tried to offer help again and again, and what I realized is that she would, like, rebuff the help, and, like, internally, I would get frustrated, like, man, I want to fix this, but I'm not able to fix it, and what I had to learn is this, is that my wife didn't want me to fix the problem. She didn't need me to come and fix it. She can handle it all on her own, What she wanted, what she needed, was just me to see her and to acknowledge what she's going through. She didn't need me to come in and be her savior. She just needed to know that she wasn't alone in whatever she's going through. She just needed me to see her. And that makes all the difference, doesn't it? That many times when we're going through our sadness, we just need to know somebody sees us. Somebody notices us. Jesus, he sees you. He notices you. He is not unaware, but he sees you in your sadness. But there's more. To keep reading, after Jesus sees Mary and Martha weeping and the Jewish community in their sadness, and he sees the sad state of Lazarus dead. They then say to him, so, Lord, come and see. Come and look at the sad state of of this. And then it says, Jesus wept. And so the Jewish people said, see how he loved him. See how Jesus loved Lazarus. Uh, It's the shortest verse in the Bible, and some of you may know that, like just some Bible trivia for you. Uh, But just two words in our English. One verse, Jesus wept. Don't let how short that verse is make you think it is not profound and beautiful and filled with this incredible promise of God. Jesus wept. Really what he wants us to know is this, that not only does Jesus see them in their sadness, but what does he also then go and do? He doesn't just stay at like an innocent bystander, but he goes and he actually, if you want to go to the next slide, he feels their sadness. Like he's not removed, he is not distant, but he is in their sadness with them because he's feeling it. He weeps himself over his friend, over Mary and Martha losing their brother, over the Jewish community who are mourning his loss. Jesus is feeling the sadness with them, and he feels it with you, too. Uh, Another thing I've learned about myself, not just in marriage, but as a parent, is there are things now that make me cry that never made me cry before. And if you're a parent, I think you kind of get that. One, like, kind of silly example that I'll share with you that happened recently uh, so a number of years ago when I was in seminary in St. Louis, me and one of my, my buddies down there, we went to go see the movie Interstellar. Uh, it's a great movie. It uh, came out a handful of years ago with Matthew McConaughey. He's a farming dude, and he all of a sudden is a like, former pilot, and NASA's like, hey, we need to send you up into space to go scout out you know, potential new planets for us to live on. Part of that deal, though, is he's going to be like in hibernation because he's going across space, and they're going to be going around like black holes. I'm not a science guy, so this is like, you know, take it for what it's worth. But they're going around black holes, and it changes their sense of time, and it changes how quickly they go through time themselves. And so he goes through time at a slower pace than the rest of the people on Earth while he's up there. And what that means is when he left Earth, he had two young kids, And he left Earth, and he had no idea how long he was going to be gone. And so what they would do is they would send videos to him. And one of those instances, he gets a video, and he hasn't really aged all that much at all. But he goes, and he all of a sudden sees his son, who was like early high school, now is a fully grown adult himself with a kid of his own. And so he's watching this little screen, this message of his grandchild. And he hasn't, like, aged at all. And And me and my buddy are watching this in the movie theater, and it's like, it's a powerful scene because he's like, the the guy in the movie's emotional. We're watching it, we're like, all right, this is an emotional scene. Total dry eye, totally fine watching it. There's somebody in front of us who is like dry heaving. Like, just everybody in the theater can hear the waterworks going, and we're like looking at each other, like, oh man, something is going on in their life. (laughs) And we felt bad for them, but we were like, oh man, like this is just like, they're really affected by this. Fast forward to like two weeks ago. I decided, I'm going to watch this movie. I haven't watched it in a handful of years, so I'm watching it. And I get to that scene, and you know what happened to me? I start doing the same thing that person was doing in the movie theater. And I'm just losing it. I can't get, I'm like, wow, I get it. I feel it. Think about how amazing this is. Jesus, the Son of God, He feels what you feel. You feel really sad and you feel overwhelmed. Listen, Jesus gets it. This is one of those incredible, unique things about Christianity, is we have a God, we have a Savior who who isn't just high in the clouds, all-knowing, all-powerful, but also like all-feeling. He feels what you feel. There's no other worldview, no other religion that, that has that at the center, that the Savior of it relates to His people so intimately, so closely, that He quite literally feels what they feel but that's what it means that Jesus is is what we call Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus entered in to all of our life and all of our experience. And that means the deep sadnesses we feel. And Jesus says, I'm entering into that too, and he feels it with you. He sees you, and he feels your Sadness which is incredible for you to hold on to in your sadness, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel your sadness in you, because there are lies that crop up when we get sad. One of the lies is, nobody's paying attention to me. Nobody notices the sadness I'm going through. But Jesus wants you to remember that, no, he sees you. Other people may not see it, but even if you just keep it inside and you don't let anybody else see it, Jesus still sees the sadness you feel. And even more than that, you may have the lie in your mind that says, man, nobody can understand what I'm going through. Nobody's been in my shoes. Nobody knows what I'm feeling. Nobody's felt what I'm feeling. And Jesus is reminding you, no, he's felt it too. That he knows what you are going through because he's entered into it as well. He sees your sadness, and he feels your sadness with you. But that's not all he does. He does one more thing, and this is really the the best of them all. You keep reading the story further on, and after Jesus weeps, he continues. And after he comes to the tomb of Lazarus, And he tells them to roll away the stone, which isn't normal practice. But Jesus says, roll away the stone. It says he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And you know what Jesus does? By crying out, Lazarus, come out. Is he makes Lazarus come out. And I love how John writes it. If you were listening closely, John, as he's telling this part of the story, he says, and they got to the tomb of the dead guy, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And then it says, John doesn't say the name Lazarus came out. He says, the man who had died walked out. John wants you to really notice Jesus, by his word, entered in and took what was dead, but it was no longer dead, and he brought it to life. And he brought him out. And by doing that, by Jesus speaking into it and saying, Lazarus, come out, here's what Jesus did to their sadness. Oh. He solved it. Jesus solved their sadness. Because in that moment, Lazarus is alive, and, and there is no more sadness for Mary and Martha and for any of those people there because Jesus came and he solved it, and he fixed it, and he removed it. And you may hear that, and you may see this story and be like, that's great for them, right? Great that their sadness was solved. How does that help me in my sadness? Well, here's how it does. What do you think Jesus was accomplishing when he suffered and was nailed to a cross and died and then rose again from the dead? What do you think Jesus was accomplishing by doing that, by dying and then rising? Here's what he was accomplishing. He was attacking the root of all of our sadness and solving the problem that is underneath all of it, and he solved it. Here's a mediocre analogy for you. Um, When you're cutting an onion, if you uh, are a chef or you like to cook in the kitchen with, with onions, you slice into the onion, what happens? You know, you're slicing into it, what happens to you? Yeah, oils from the onion start getting into your eye, causes you to tear up and everything. Even if you're laughing, still causes you to do that. Oils get up in your eye and cause you to cry. Here's a little trick for you. I never do it because I'm impatient and I just want to get to cooking. But if you carved out, like if you like sliced it in half and carved out the center of the onion and just removed that before you start slicing the whole thing, you know what's never going to happen to you again? You're not going to cry because the, the oils that make you cry are at the center of the onion. And if you remove that, if you cut that part out and start cutting dicing the rest of it, it it's not causing those, those oils to pop up in you. Here's the mediocre analogy. Jesus, on the cross and rising again from the dead, He's cutting out the root of all of our sadness. He's cutting out the core of what causes all of our tears. That's what he's doing. Because at the root of all of our sadness, and we're sad for all types of reasons, but if you look at your sadness and the things that cause it, really, at the root of it, when you peel back the layers, at the root of it is this. Our sadness is over the fact that there's sin in us and around us that is causing so much damage. That there's sin that we can't can't fix that there is death around us and we know that there's death in front of us that one day will claim us and, and it causes the sadness underneath. But even more than that, that sin and death, we know in, in our own standing we are disconnected from the God who made us. There's something in us that knows that, that knows that we are disconnected from the God who made us and that is at the core of all of our sadness, of all of our tears, is that, is our sin, our death, our disconnection from God on our own. And so Jesus, by dying on the cross and rising from the dead, he dealt with that. By dying on the cross, he forgives all of your sins and they are washed clean for good. By rising from the dead, he showed that he is stronger than even death itself, that he is victory. By doing all of this, by dying and rising, he has connected you with the God who made you. And so you have a relationship with him through Jesus. He has dealt with the root of all of our sadness. He's solved it. And because of that, Jesus promises you that there's coming a day where all the things that make us sad right now, they will not get the last word because he has conquered it, and he has solved it. So even though we cry and we are sad now, we're able to look at it and say, you hurt me now, but I know that that you won't get the last word, that Jesus Christ, he has solved it, and I look for the day when there's no more tears, there's no more sadness, because Jesus promises that that day is coming he sees you in your sadness he feels your sadness with you but ultimately jesus has solved your sadness and so now we live as if that's true we live knowing that reality as our foundation so now when you are in your sadness what are some practical things for you to do well real quickly here's just three i would give to you when you are in your sadness you really need three things coming from the foundation of what Jesus has done for you. He sees you. He feels your sadness, but ultimately he's solved it. What you need in your sadness is your sadness needs friends. And and we talked about this a little bit with anxiety as well, that we need to not isolate ourselves but we need to open up to others. It's the same thing with sadness, that we need to have people around us that we are open with, that we can, can let in so that we can Give words to our sadness and share it with them. We need that. You need that. Like, that's what Mary and Martha did. They reached out to Jesus because he was their friend. And we're like, we need you, Jesus. And Jesus, you know what he did? He said, hey, disciples, I need you with me in my sadness. They all needed one another. You need friends in your sadness. You also need a limit in your sadness. Uh, So one thing that, that sometimes we may do with our sadness Um, is we take it and we're like, I'm just gonna push it down and ignore it and and act like it's not there. I don't recommend that, friends. I don't recommend you just push it down and be like, I'm just gonna ignore this. Don't do that. But here's what I encourage you to do and here's what I try and do myself and what I encourage people when I talk one-on-one with them is when you are in a season of sadness, when it comes at you, allow yourself to feel it Like, allow it to kind of hit you and allow it to to kind of radiate through yourself. But, But do it knowing that you're going to put a limit. So set a time where you say, I'm just going to feel all of this sadness. I'm going to let myself feel it completely. But know that you're going to put a time limit. You're going to put an end to that in your life. So maybe you're driving home from work or you're driving to a certain regular drive you take and you're like, on that drive, that's my my, I'm going to feel my sadness drive. And you allow yourself to feel it for that period of time and you tell yourself, I'm going to feel it completely right now, but when I get into the driveway, when I get to work, when I get to wherever it is, and I turn the car off, I'm going to put it behind me because I know that it doesn't own me because Jesus has conquered it. So I'm going to feel it but I'll be able to move on from it because Jesus has won the victory over it. Allow yourself to feel it, but with a limit. But then ultimately, what you need in your sadness is you need a focus. You need to constantly kind of have a north star in your sadness that you kind of fix your eyes on, that you fix your mind and fix your heart on. Uh, Because sometimes in our sadness, we, we focus inward a lot and we stay focused here, but what we need is to focus up here is we focus on those things that Jesus promises, that he sees us, that he feels our sadness with us, and ultimately that he's solved it, and that we look forward to the day where all of the things that make us sad, they will be done away with. And we focus on that, and it pulls us forward. It gives us strength. It gives us hope. It gives us endurance to deal with the sadness now, knowing that it will end tomorrow. You know, a beautiful picture of this comes from one of my favorite stories, um, the story of Lord of the Rings. Uh, Lord of the Rings, if you're a fan, if you've ever seen the movies or read the books, I I love it. Um, It was written by a man named J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, He wrote this book, and Tolkien wrote it, um, and he embedded within the whole story his faith. He was a deeply devout um, Catholic Christian, And if you read the story, you can see, man, he has like put his faith all into this story and themes and characters and activity. It tells the story of God and his people. And, and one of those characters that he, he uses as a Christ figure, kind of representing Jesus, one of the ways he does that is through the, the character Gandalf. And if you've seen the movie, read the books, you know Gandalf. But Gandalf is, is this wizard who dies, but then guess what happens to him? Comes back to life. See the Christ figure connection? So, so he is this Christ figure in the story, and at the end of the story, Samwise Gamgee, one of the the little hobbits who destroys the evil ring of power, they destroy evil and he's, he's recovering in his bed and he wakes up from his sleep and the first person he sees is Gandalf, which is a big deal because the last time Sam saw him, he had died. He saw Gandalf die, but now he wakes up and he sees him alive. And you know his first reaction Gandalf, you're alive. I thought you were dead. And he's like, I thought I was dead. And then Sam says this to Gandalf, after seeing his friend resurrected, alive, he says this, does this mean that everything sad will come untrue? Tolkien wrote that in there on purpose. Not just to talk about these characters in some fairy tale story, but he was communicating to us that that's our story. When you gaze upon the resurrected Jesus, you can say to yourself, man, does this mean that everything sad one day will come untrue? And Jesus wants you to know, yes, that there's coming a day where all the things that make us sad will be gone. There'll be no more tears, no more sadness, And so, friends, as we look to that day, focus on Christ. Focus upon what He's done for you, that He sees you, He feels your sadness, but ultimately that He's solved it. And may you have hope and endurance, even in your sadness today. Amen.